FOMO. My name is Patrick J. McGinnis, and I'm a FOMO sapiens. And since you're here, I'm going to bet that you are too. And when you're like us and Monday comes around, you don't dread the new week. No, you wake up every Monday morning knowing that this week might just be the best one yet. This is Faux Monday, the snackable show that starts your week right with hot takes, life hacks, listener mail, and even some FOMO therapy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Faux Monday, the companion show to FOMO Sapiens, where we talk about things that, I don't know, beyond just trying to make your Monday bright make your life better. I'm your host, Patrick McGinnis, venture capitalist by day, author and podcaster by night, and FOMO Sapiens 24-7. And today we're going to be talking about, you know, it's a new year and we're going to be making decisions this year about how to build our careers. I am certain of it. And the reason I say that is that unless you've been living under a rock, you realize that we're in the middle of this thing that's being called the great resignation, or some people call it the big quit. But in the second half of 2021, 20 million people in the United States quit their jobs, which is insane. And so I will have a very special guest today who's going to help us think through how to build our careers. His name is Mark Hirschberg, and he's the author of The Career Toolkit, Essential Skills for Success That No One Taught You. Now, from tracking criminals and terrorists on the dark web to creating marketplaces and new authentication systems, Mark has spent his career launching and developing new ventures at startups, Fortune 500 companies, and academia, and he has really learned what it takes. He has three degrees from MIT, show off, and he started there the Undergraduate Practice Opportunities Program, which is dubbed MIT's Career Success Accelerator where he teaches annually. Mark, welcome to Faux Mondays. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. So I just want to start out because we just talked about the big quit. I like that name. Uh, how do you know if you should quit your job? We are seeing one of the biggest rewrites in the employee-employer contract in about a century. And people are starting to say a job is no longer just about the money they want to see more. They want to see something that helps them grow and develop. They want to be aligned to the mission, to the values of the company. And so people are asking themselves, is this job right? Not just because I'm happy with how much money I'm making, but on these other fronts. And also people need to be asking themselves, is this job taking me where I want to go in the future? Is it setting me up for future success, not just what I get out of it today? Yeah, totally. And you know what? As somebody who quit his job after the financial crisis, I had my own big quit. It, you know, it's hard, right, to know, but you can, t if you think through it emotionally and physically and mentally and just all, of, you kind of spend time thinking about all those aspects, you will have the answer. But if you're going to quit, you need a plan. And so what we're going to talk about today is some of the things in your book, these skills for success that no one taught you, but that you're teaching all these kids at MIT. So let's dig into those. Let's start with the first one. Let's talk about career planning. Give us some guidance on how we should plan our careers. Most people never even bother creating a plan. I think, oh, it's too hard. But you would never do a project at work. You'd never take on a year-long project without some type of plan. Now, you know when you create that plan day one, it's not going to work out exactly as you have planned. You also can't tell yourself, well, here's what I'm doing on day 257. You have some placeholders in the future. The next 30 days, it's pretty clear. Further out, you've got these placeholders. That's what we need to do with our career. So start from where you want to wind up. Where do you want to be in 10, 15, 20 years? 
okay, to get there, what are those intermediary steps? If you want to be here in 15 years, where do you need to be in 10, in seven, in three? And then, of course, you have some type of skills gap. You say, well, to be here, I don't yet have all the experience or skills, so I need to build forward that plan to fill in that gap to get to that state. And of course, like any plan, we need to check in regularly and update it because it's never going to go exactly how we laid it out. So is this like a, do you put, do you recommend like a spreadsheet, a word document? Like how do you actually keep this you sort of like, cause it's true. Like it's kind of like an evergreen thing you'll kind of go back to. So how, how do you actually, actually do it? In the book, I have a visual of how I like to map it out, and I use almost a decision tree. You think about all the different paths you could do going forward, and you start to prune the tree. I figured out I'm not going to be a lawyer, not going to law school. We pruned off that whole branch long ago. And so we all start pruning around college. You can pivot as well, and that just means from the path that you're on, start to divert in other directions, and how could that path expand in that way? And there are different techniques. Some people do like using spreadsheets. Some people like writing things down or even vision boards or plans. Other people just keep the ideas in their heads, and it's what works for you. But you want to very clearly have that mapping and then how you execute on it, how you do the little details on it will vary by your preference. Now, I want to step back even a step before that, which is like figuring out some people just sort of like, I have no idea what I even want to do. So what can people do just to get to the point where you can even see the end point of where you want to go? Good question. Some of us are lucky that we know from the age of five, oh, I want to grow up and be a doctor, but not everyone. In fact, even at 25, many of us don't know. There are a number of questions to ask yourself. I cover these in chapter one, and they're available for free on the resources page of my website. Now, there are some obvious questions. Do I want to work just a 40-hour job? Do I want nine to five? I'm out the door. Do I want to work by myself or with computers? But then there are other questions to ask, not so much about the job, but about your lifestyle. Where do you want to live? How much travel do you want? What type of impact do you want to have on the world? And as you start to answer these questions and talk to people what they do, hey, tell me about your job. Oh, you mentioned these things that sound interesting to me. Maybe I should look into that field or those types of tasks in your job or another that appeal to me. FOMO. Tell me if this sounds familiar. Your business gets to a certain size and the cracks start to emerge. Things you used to do in a day are taking a week. You don't have one source of truth. If this is you, you should know these three numbers. 37,000, 25, 1. 37,000. That's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. Happy birthday. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close the books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One, because your business is one of a kind, so you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs. Those are key performance indicators in one efficient system. Now, FOMO Sapiens, you know this show is all about making better decisions. And with this product, you can make better decisions because you have all the information you need right in one place. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com FOMO. That's netsuite.com slash FOMO to get your own KPI checklist. Because you know what? KPIs are better than ice cream. netsuite.com slash FOMO. FOMO. All right. So, Mark, I like all of that. And I'm now thinking I should have been doing more of this in the past. I would have been more successful. But let's move on to something that I do feel I'm a little more uh, strong at, which is networking. Talk about what we can do to be successful at networking. The key is to build relationships. Too many people go out and say, 
I need something. I need a job. Time to start networking. That's like saying, you know, I need some friends to help me move this weekend. Let me go out to a bar, meet some new buddies and say, hey, new buddies, come on over. Come help me pack up my apartment. (laughs) The people who you ask for that favor are people you've known for 10 years. So we want to start networking long before we need it. And we want to start by relationship building and not thinking, hey, new friend, here's what I need from you. Don't start with an ask. Start with, I want to get to know you. I value our relationship. I'm not here to take from you. And maybe down the road, I'll ask you for a favor. But think about focusing on that relationship. And even I always think, nice to meet you. What can I do to help you? Start by thinking, how can you help someone else? I do think that the helping thing is a good start. There are some people, and I we all know them, where you have a coffee with them. You've literally just met this person. And by the end of the hour, they've, they've offered to introduce you to 37 people. I also think that that is extreme. So like, think about like a couple of high impact things you can do. But the, the person who comes in hot, I was like, well, you need to meet everybody I know. That actually, to me, it's like, whoa, you're too intense. Like, I think I'm going to have to go meditate now. <laughs> what do you think about that? Well, I also think, what is their gating function? You and I both know lots of people. Some of them are extremely successful. I know CEOs of multi-billion dollar companies. I can't just send anyone I know to those people. They rely on me. Everyone in our network relies on us to gatekeep, to say, this person is worth your time. And someone who says, hey, stranger, who I don't really know you yet, I don't have that trust, but I'm going to introduce you to lots of people in my network. To me, that's a signal they're not gatekeeping well. They're probably just looking at some type of metric, how many connections they have on LinkedIn, how many introductions, and not saying in more of a sniping fashion, you and you would be a really good connection. And I'm intentionally thinking about it and doing that gatekeeping. So I think you're right. That's a negative signal if I see t- people doing too much of that. Gatekeeping. It's a new word. That's a, oh man, that is, that is a word that I will be using this year and beyond. All right, now let's get into negotiating. This is the part I really stink at. I am, I mean, I've gotten better because like I've had to learn, but I, I, you know, I remember taking negotiations class in business school and my big insight was if I sat next to the person on the same side of the table, I could say things like we're facing the problem from the same direction. That was like my only trick. Terrible. Give us some tips. Help me out here. What, what can we do to be better negotiators? That's not totally bad, by the way. When I negotiate when I'm hiring someone, instead of sitting across the table, I'll sit usually at that 90 degree angle so we're mm. not in opposition. Yeah. But here is the most important thing to remember when negotiating. When you turn on the TV and you watch your favorite football team play, you turn on, you watch them play for three hours, you turn off when they're done. That's what you see of football. But those players are spending countless hours off your TV screen. They're spending all this time drilling, scrimmaging, working out, planning, and doing all this work off the field, more work off the field than for every hour on the field. And in fact, that's how negotiations work. A lot of the work you're doing is before you step into the room. Mm. So plan, plan out what is your strategy? What might you ask for? What might you trade off? What might the other side be looking for and willing to trade off? And those preparations, just like preparing before you set foot on the field, really pay off and yield better results. I like that a lot. I think you have a lot of insight there. I mean, that's that's a super strong point. Now, I do want to ask you one final question, which is, you know, you're advising all of these smart MIT kids now. And I imagine some of them are like incredible 
incredible brains, but maybe not as good at the, some of the soft skills we all know, not to pick on MIT. But these kids, you, you've seen patterns over the years, so you, you're just able to see how they play out in the real world. What is the thing that they get wrong most frequently, the big mistake that we want to avoid? People think this is a one and done. Oh, I got this great networking tip. I got this leadership tip done. And I will come back and say, I'm going to use another sports analogy. We wouldn't ever say, oh, welcome to our basketball team. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send you to a two-day basketball clinic. Great. Welcome back. Done. You don't have to practice anymore. You don't have to train. You had two days of training. Now you can just play the whole season. We would never do that in sports, but that's what we do with people in our companies. At best, hey, you're getting promoted to be a manager. We're going to send you to a two-day manager program. Welcome back. Done. You've learned everything you need to know. And really, this is a continuous process that we have to work at. And there is no one right answer. We're used to in school, here's a quadratic equation. Here are the dates for the Civil War. Memorize this. But these things, there's no one formula for leadership, no three things to remember to communicate effectively. So you constantly have to learn and revise and recognize these are subtle skills that are circumstantial. So you want to continue to learn and develop and get new insights from lots of different perspectives. All right. The book is The Career Toolkit, Essential Skills for Success That No One Taught You. And you can go to The Career Toolkit book. And that book is important. The Career Toolkit book.com for an app and free resources. And to learn more about how Mark has uh, laid out his thinking about how to do all of these things. Mark Hirschberg, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me on the show. All right, everybody. That is another episode of FOMO Mondays. I will see you Thursday on FOMO Sapiens. Until then, have a great week. FOMO. Can't get enough of FOMO Sapiens? Join me on Patreon for ad-free episodes, bonus material, and exclusive content that will help you to master FOMO and position yourself for greater success in both business and life. Go to patreon.com slash FOMO Sapiens to learn more. You can also connect with me on Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis, on Twitter at PJ McGinnis, and on LinkedIn. I love hearing from you, so don't be shy. FOMO. Want more FOMO Sapiens and FOMO Monday? Head over to FOMOSapiens.com where you can listen to past episodes, learn more about the show, and find out how to advertise. You can also connect with me on Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis and on Twitter at PJ McGinnis.